Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchev. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Every single week on our show, we talk about our ongoing thesis, and that is digital hospitality. Every business needs to be digital first, and every business also needs to be in the hospitality business. Now, what exactly does that mean? We we actually are doing our own case study on our own business. We've turned our barbecue business, our single unit barbecue restaurant into a media company. And how did we do that? We did that on the backs of the smartphone. So literally through iPhone, through storytelling, through digital marketing, through social media, we've been able to build a platform and connect with people all over the globe. And really what we want to do every week is through our guests and through these stories and through these lessons, we want to teach you, the listener, how you can do it for your business. Um, we've been very fortunate over 200 episodes to have different authors on, different podcasters on, different people doing significant work that we admire. There has very there there hasn't been a time that I've been more excited about a book specific to our thesis, like literally specific to the reason why we started this podcast um, as today's guests. And I'm going to do something a little bit different that I don't usually do, but I think it's so important. So I'm going to read the book cover um, so that you guys can understand really what we're talking about. The omni-channel disruption that upended retail has finally come to the restaurant industry. Restaurateurs must shift how they think, behave, and invest to survive and thrive. Today's consumers are well-conditioned in their expectations. They want tech-savvy, on-demand, and frictionless interactions with restaurants that they get in every other vertical. If you think your 1,000-restaurant unit chain is too big to fail, remember that 1,000-unit Sears closed nearly all of its stores and filed for bankruptcy in February of 2019. If you think your local family independent restaurant is too beloved to fail, remember the Amazon effect changed the face of Main Street and traditional retailing. Delivering the digital restaurant explores the massive disruption facing American restaurants through firsthand accounts of food industry veterans and startup entrepreneurs innovating the future of food. Combining sociological observation, rich industry data, and insider knowledge delivering paints a picture of how food is evolving and how you as a leader, owner, or operator can successfully innovate and meet the new consumer demands and capitalize on the opportunities ahead. Those who understand this digital disruption will be better positioned to embrace the innovation that consumers are demanding. Those who resist will surely be left behind. Carl and Meredith, welcome to the program. Welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you guys here today. Thank you so much, Sean. It's great to be here. Really uh, appreciate it. Is it weird to hear your words read back to you? It, it is, is. You know, I have not heard those words in quite a while. <laughs> we read them a long time ago when we first started the book. And it's almost, it sends a little um, shiver up and down my spine because it reminds me, you know, the reason why we wrote the book in the first place, which is that everything that's happening is really an existential crisis for the restaurant industry. And, you know, we started the book back before the pandemic. Uh, when we thought this would all take three to five years to play out. Um, of course, the pandemic accelerated all of that. And I think laid bare uh, the digital divide between restaurants who have and restaurants who have not. Uh, and it, it is critical to figure this out and to figure it out together. And when I think in particular of our local independent restaurants, you know, the ones that are the fabric of our community um, that make our neighborhoods great, um, thinking about how to um, bring them along and make sure that they take advantage of all these digital tools, I think is incredibly important. 
Um, and I think that's also a little bit of your mission. So I'm, <laughs> I'm happy that we found you. Absolutely. Well, that's the beautiful thing about storytelling and what we call smartphone storytelling is if you have a mission, if you have a purpose, really what we used to do as entrepreneurs and small business owners, we sh we we're the crazy ones. We're the ones that ha have an idea and we have to sell that idea to our family, to our friends, to our investors. We're, we're literally pitching this to our neighborhood, to anybody and everybody. But now we're at a place where you can do that online and you can use all these tools like LinkedIn and TikTok and podcasting and YouTube to really get your story out there. And that's really how I connected with you guys. I mean, I think, Carl, I think you found me on LinkedIn and you sent me a DM and said, would you be interested in this book? And I mean, literally, like I said, you wrote the book for our thesis and I couldn't be more excited to scream this book from the mountaintops. Some of the people that you have within the pages of the books have actually appeared on this podcast, CEOs of other technology companies that we've interviewed that we highly admire the work that they're doing. Um, I'd love for you guys just to give our listeners a little bit of background, because I think it's so fascinating, both of, you know, kind of your, your origin story in two minutes of who you are and where, where you came from. So people can get a better idea of why you wrote the book and, and your experience. Yeah, I'll take the, a stab at that one first, Sean. And thank you for reading that out. You've, you've made me a, a little concerned that maybe I was the wrong person to record the audio book. So uh, maybe <laughs> that, was, uh, that was wonderful. Um, my background, Sean, is largely in the convenience retail space, actually. I used to run the retail aspects of Arco AMPM here on the West Coast of the US. And of course, in many ways, convenience stores um, were the original ghost kitchen uh, because food consumed off premise. Right. And what I was seeing when I was running that part of the business was just the enormous level of change of consumer expectation around having better food and better quality food and better for you food. And all of these things were coming through in the kind of gas station environment. And for me, I think when I met Meredith and when I heard about Kitchen United, where we worked together for a few years, it really just struck me that there's so much change happening, so many exciting things that really are um, only at the front of where I think this industry is going. A lot, a lot of people feel like we've, we've already, you know, that's it. We, this book will start and that, that finishes the story. But the reality is, Sean, is that we're just at the beginning of this level of disruption. Um, I'm not announcing a trilogy of our book today, by the way, but the point is- that, <laughs> well, well, after but, reading it, I hope there is a trilogy and I know there will be. That, I mean, that's the, the beautiful thing, Carl. I, I really, I love the fact that you touched on that and the, the fact that your background in the convenience store space is, it's, it's so applicable to what we do in restaurants because we have to think differently. You know, we don't think that Starbucks is our competition. We don't think that McDonald's is our competition because we're a barbecue full service restaurant and sports bar and we do things one way and we've always done things. It's not like that. It's really not. And we were fortunate because of our location. They tell you location, location, location. We opened in 2008, the height of the recession. Basically, everyone told us, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. What are you doing? We said, no, we're going to do this. And then we went into another category, barbecue, where they say, you can't do barbecue on the West Coast. You're crazy. What are you doing? And then now we're podcast. Literally the whole time we've been told no, but that's the story in those pages of all these other brands, even the technology companies. And now as a rising tide, we can share information in ways that we've never been able to share before. Meredith, please uh, give, uh, give our audience a little bit of your background. Yeah, sure. So I was the chief development officer at Taco Bell. Uh, where I built about a thousand Taco Bells and halfway wow. through that journey. Yeah, it, it, it's an astounding number of restaurants. <laughs> it's an astounding um, number of restaurants. <laughs> ha halfway through that journey, I started to realize that um, the omni-channel disruption was starting to affect restaurants. 
And I started to wonder why we were, you know, co-locating with malls when people weren't going to malls anymore. Now, all of those restaurants are doing really well. And a lot of those areas um, have been redeveloped and, you know, much, much ink has been used talking about what's going on with the malls and the redevelopment there. Um, but fast forward through that journey and we were trying to figure out how to enter more urban areas because America is becoming more urban. And my head of architecture and I looked at each other and we said, this is so dumb. Like, why are we trying to enter Manhattan, the world's most expensive real estate market with a full restaurant when 40% of the sales go out the door delivery? We should just be in a commissary and yep. deliver the tacos. And of course, um, you know, the ghost kitchen industry didn't exist at the time. And so fast forward to meeting a tool sued uh, at Kitchen United, and he walked me into their very first location, which wasn't open yet. And I looked around and I thought, oh my God, they're building the thing that I as the customer want. This is amazing. And um, so, you know, I, I went there and helped them create the initial business model and all the wonderful things. And what struck me talking to almost every major restaurant chain in America during that time, talking to a lot of independents, was that people didn't really understand the magnitude of the change that was occurring. That a ghost kitchen wasn't just a new retail format and a space. Um, it was so much more than that. There's so much technology that wraps around it. There's a totally different way of thinking about your consumer that wraps around it. And there's so many incredible things that it enables, like virtual restaurants and things like that, um, that there was a story that needed to be told so that restaurants could embrace the change that was happening. And, you know, restaurants are so innovative. And I think if you give them all of the tools and tell them all the things that are going on, you're going to get these amazing experiments out there where people try new things and create new things um, and they'll make it through just fine. Yeah, it's super interesting for us, you know, hosting this podcast, doing all the work that we do, trying to educate other independent restaurant owners, other small business owners of the different components, the fact that we all are e-commerce companies, you know, even though we have a brick and mortar business, like we have to behave like an e-commerce company and we have to behave like a media company. We have to share our story because that's the, that's our competitive advantage. We can change and we can pivot so quickly because of the story. And what we talk about is we're building friendly ghost kitchens. So we're building the Casper of ghost kitchens because the ghost kitchens aren't scary, which is a chapter in your book where you talk about ghost kitchens not being scary. And we're building a master smokehouse and a media center in San Diego to build the Amazon Prime of barbecue so we can have 10 micro ghost, friendly ghost kitchen locations and their distribution points. We can no longer discriminate how people get our barbecue. We can't force them to drive all the way across San Diego County for 45 minutes because we built up a brand over 13 years that people hear about it. We have over 2,500, four and a half stars reviews on Yelp. People know about us. We're very fortunate that we get to go on local radio, local TV, all these things. But ultimately, what's the most important thing that everyone has? It's time. And what you guys so eloquently do and what my media mentor, David Meltzer, teaches is life is about lessons and stories. And what I love is in the beginning of every chapter, you literally get to the heart of who we are as humans. It's literally like telling the stories of what happens in an American family, what we think is an American family, and ultimately what happens. Can you guys talk a little bit about the stories that you selected to start every chapter? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take that. It's it, we're smiling at each other through the screen. Uh, <laughs> we 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 did at one point say, look, we've got so much to say in this book. Have we got? Is it worth us actually trying this kind of story approach? Because there's so much other content that we could put into it. You know, more technical more detailed content. 
but we we landed on being able to create these stories, Sean, because we did want to do exactly what you just mentioned. We wanted to say it's important for you as a restaurant owner operator to get inside the head of the American consumer, because if you can't do that, you're always going to be battling about why this change is happening to you. And a lot of begrudging feeling that exists out there is out there because it feels like the change is happening to them. But the reality is, is the consumer wants this. And the consumer wants this because their lives are changing. The, the lack of time, as you correctly say there, is probably one of the most central tenets to that. And we, we decided to put that together. Yes, through the American Family Lens, but you'll also pick up, of course, that there are a few little excerpts where we touch on the drivers in the yes. uh, economy of, of food uh, delivery. And, and you and became a driver, which is so did, powerful. Yes. Don't, yeah, please I, don't gloss over that. That's so powerful. I love I love that you immersed yourself in that because it, it, it gets ignored, especially as a restaurant owner. One of the things that we've done even before delivery drivers is take care of our vendor partners. You know, whether it was Allsco coming or our U.S. foods driver or the beer driver, like they're humans, too. And they ulti- they ultimately be how we provide hospitality to them, how we make them feel. They become our sales force. They literally go and tell their friends in the industry, hey, you've got to come out to Spring Valley. You know, these guys are they, they do a great job. They, they make me feel like part of the family, which is totally. ultimately all of our goal. Totally right. And for me, the the angle that we try to have throughout the entire book is a very clear perspective on being unbiased. We weren't advocating one particular party, one school of thought. We interviewed a driver, for example, that finds the current environment of driving incredibly difficult. Yes. And then we spoke to a driver that is one of DoorDash's top drivers and loves it and appreciates everything that comes from being a gig worker. So we tried to get that through, not only with the interviews that we did through over a hundred different interviews of executives and people that are in this system, but also through the stories. And I think it's that blend that hopefully helps everything come together nicely. Well, I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm biased because I am a sociologist, but the way that you've structured it, because so much of what we do with the podcast is trying to simplify it. It becomes so complicated when you realize how fast the rate of technology have changed. I mean, we're talking about the iPhone 13 now, but when we opened up the restaurant, I made fun of, you know, another friend that was opening up another barbecue restaurant because he was so excited about the Apple iPhone. I mean, I made fun of my business partner for being on Facebook. Like these are the evolutions of my own personal digital hospitality journey that happens to everyone. Like we don't realize that it's happening until you share it in these parables of the story. I mean, literally my daughter, is two years old. My son is four years old. My wife and I, we have the same, we come back home. It's, it's the end of a long day. We don't have time to prepare dinner. And what do we do? We go on DoorDash and we look up, what are we going to order? And we see Cheesecake Factory. We know that we can order something there. So what is my daughter seeing as a two-year-old and a four-year-old son? They see mom and dad on their iPhone, literally looking at pictures picking what picture. And then all of a sudden, 20 minutes later, the door rings and then there's food there. You know, it's like until you remove yourself from the equation and say, well, what's happening there? You know, is that, does that mean we're not supporting local independence? Like, no, it it goes back to what we talked about before. It's time, you know, it's time. And it's how did we get here so fast? And what you guys did such a brilliant job of is you weren't biased in any of that. You're, you're literally talking about Grubhub. You're talking about DoorDash. You're talking about Uber Eats and the evolution of these technology companies and how they've made an impact, not just on us, the independent restaurant owners, but the chains. You know, when I think about dropping off my son and daughter at daycare and knowing that, hey, I'm going to go get a Starbucks. Our, there's two Starbucks in our local neighborhood in Eastlake. I drive to the one that has a drive-through. 
So there's a drive through Starbucks. I get to listen to my podcasts that I like to listen to hospitality podcasts. And I'm, I, I go and I pick that drive through because it's easy and it's convenient for me. Well, somebody that hosts a hosp- digital hospitality podcast, I go, well, why don't I download the app and see? Because the Starbucks line started getting longer. I download the app and then now I go to a Starbucks that's it's closer, but literally it's, I download the app. I put, I drop off my kids. I put the order in, I go, that Starbucks is literally doing three times the volume that the other Starbucks is doing. It's literally, it, it's unbelievable to think of what delivery has done for restaurants and now what it's apps doing. I mean, literally in our same neighborhood, McDonald's is investing in technology for pickups through the app because it's faster than going through the drive-thru mm-hmm. back to, you know, what you guys were talking about. You want to talk a little bit about um, the history of drive-thru and where we are today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I love the drive-thru business. I love Taco Bell. I think everyone knows, although we try to be unbiased, I am very biased in favor of Taco Bell. <laughs> and you know, working there, I think the the thing that I took away from it is the reason they've been so successful, and frankly, all the fast food places have been so successful, is that they have engineered their entire business model to deliver good food very quickly, very inexpensively, very consistently. And that takes a lot of thinking about aiming absolutely everything toward those values and being able to produce something at the end uh, that consumers want. And initially, drive-thrus were not that way, right? Drive-thrus, and I don't know if you have any of these in your neighborhood, but there was one in my old neighborhood in West LA. There was an old like postage stamp McDonald's, a little teeny tiny walk-up stand, and they had added a drive-thru on it. And they were never going to get a bigger parcel in West LA than that. And so they just kept it there. And the drive-thru was so ridiculous. It had... Like you would go around the back of the building. There was no, um, what we call a stack, um, which is in between the order point and the window to make sure that there's make time for the food. You would just drive up to the window and order your food and then sit there and wait. And that's how drive throughs started out. Just stick a window on the side and wow, incremental sales, isn't this great? And over time, the industry realized and these restaurant companies realized, wait a minute, people, consumers value this drive-through, we should make it even better. And they optimize their restaurant in order to serve that channel effectively. And what we're seeing now in digital is very similar. Everyone just says, oh, I'll just, I'll go on the app and boom, incremental sales. How great is this? It is great, but it is a fraction of what it can be. And as we start to think about how do you optimize for digital and do it on purpose, and create the restaurant experience in such a way that it it can serve both dine-in and digital, you get a totally different answer. And it's frankly only going to get bigger than it is as restaurants figure that out. And you're starting to see little glimmers of it, you know, things like the Chipotle, what you're talking about with McDonald's investing in their curbside pickup, um, Starbucks, and um, all the wonderful things that they've done with their app. You're starting to see little glimmers of it. And I think that you will see more and more and more of it as you get um, innovators at the opposite end, right? The small independents coming up with these amazing ideas about virtual brands and um, you know cooking out of commissaries like you're doing and thinking about restaurants differently than the standard four wall restaurant experience with you know front of house dining. Yeah. As that occurs, um, delivery will actually become more profitable. Um, it'll become faster. It will be a better consumer experience, and you'll see more and more and more of it. 
I mean, it's incredible when you think of the technology that's enabled independent restaurants, like what we use toast, why we switched to toast during the pandemic was future orders and online ordering. You know, the fact that now somebody can order barbecue on the busiest days of our restaurant and come and pick it up. It's literally, it's, it's like a catering order. It's literally the best cash flow model that a restaurant can take as opposed to waiting until the customer comes in. And what I'm so excited about is, you know, literally how, how in depth you get to all the different tech stacks that a restaurant can have and why it's important. Carl, can you tell us a little bit more about just the, the, the abundance of technology that's come and where are we going to go with it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Toast there, by the way, Sean, because <laughs> I'll always, I'll at, always at, mention Toast. Out of, out of all the companies we interviewed, there was probably one that got away and it was Toast. We'd have loved to have had them included in the book because they are doing so, such amazing things for independence in particular. Um, I was at FS Tech a few weeks back and the exhibition hall, Sean, was filled to the rim with technology providers. And I remember seeing this particular restaurant operator who I spoke to later he was there and he looked like a deer in the headlights. He was like, <laughs> where do I start? And that I think is the real challenge. There are so many different technology solutions right now. It's very difficult to be able to almost piece it together like a puzzle to be able to say, well, where, where should I begin on this journey? I get it. I, I know I need to be in this, this game now, but where do I start? And how do I actually build up in such a way that allows me to actually maintain some level of control without losing just the ability to run my business and create great food and delight my customers in the way that I've been doing for years. And I think that is an important message to send is that the technology actually isn't the problem so much. The technology is great. There's a lot of great solutions, a lot of great providers mm -hmm. out there. You could argue there's probably a period of consolidation that's gonna happen over the course of the next five years to make it a little easier from a selection standpoint. But I think we're getting now into an era which is more about support and helping restaurants understand how and when to utilize different parts of the technology packages that are available to them. Whether that be first party ordering, whether that be loyalty programs, whether that be guest feedback mechanisms, whether that be about how to digitally market, market more effectively, all of these things exist out there. There are plenty of different providers, but I think understanding where you're at, understanding the right platform for you on where you are right now, and helping restaurants get to that place is certainly something that Meredith and I are trying to help with. And certainly from what you're doing with, with your podcast and, and your efforts, it's clearly you're doing the same. And I think that is really what the industry needs the most right now. Yeah. Meredith, do you, do you want to comment on, on tech stacks? <laughs> when you say tech stack to especially an independent well, restaurant owner, <laughs> the word alone is terrifying. <laughs> so uh, working at, at the world's largest restaurant company, we had access to so much technology that was really incredible. Um, yeah. We built so many things in-house. We spent millions and millions of dollars on making awesome stuff. And the coolest thing about leaving to go to a startup and then spending all this time with independence is witnessing the rise of what I'll call sassification of tools, where now so many things that used to be only available to Starbucks and McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell, they're now available to everyone for a small monthly fee. Yep. And that is magic. It's incredible. Um, and anyone who wants to can find the right tool to, to do the job they're trying to do and pay a small monthly fee and do it, which is so, so different from do you have millions of dollars to spend on technology? Do you have an entire fleet of restaurants yeah. that can make use of that technology? No? Okay, too bad, right? So now 
uh, restaurants are in a fundamentally different position where the question is not, man, how do I get this stuff? The question is, which stuff do I get? And just like Carl said, it can be a bit overwhelming to look at all of those um, different choices and try to figure out where to begin. Uh, but I think the good news is you can kind of start anywhere um, and something is better than nothing and make it up as you go. And it's not like you can make a wrong choice at this point. Um, I think just getting into the mindset of this stuff is important is critical. And importantly, understanding the, the change in business model that's required. So as, as you say, as you think about digital hospitality, if that's your guiding North Star, then you start to fit in little pieces of technology to help you get there. That's much easier than saying, okay, what are all the things I need to run a digital restaurant? Yep. And gosh, there's 27 different software platforms out there for each one of the things that I need. And how am I ever going to choose? That's where you start to get into that just completely overwhelmed state. Yeah, I think that's so important when you're thinking of, and one of the things that we talk about is it, with digital hospitality is restaurant owners, we're so good at the hospitality part. Like it's literally, it's in our blood, it's in our DNA. That's what we do, taking care of people, being of service, making memorable moments. It's literally our competitive advantage versus retail. You know, I, I say all the time that customer service is bullshit. I honestly believe that it's just treating another human the way that a human should be treated. That that can't be the level of standard. Hospitality is the level of standards. We do that so well within the four walls of our restaurant. We literally engineer these magical moments to happen, but we ignore the online side. We ignore the, the online side because we don't know necessarily the Yelp reviewer. We don't know when they came into the restaurant. We don't know the Google reviewer. We don't know the person on Twitter. We don't know the person that commented on our Facebook wall, but that doesn't mean that they aren't a human. You know, they are a human. There are humans there. And if we take that hospitality approach and we bring it online, then we can start to create these really magical moments. And back to what you were saying about how you have to start somewhere, right? You have to start somewhere and there's access in ways that we've never had access before. So you have, you know, this access to technology with companies like Toast that are enabling us to literally do things that we never thought we'd be able to do and at a cost that we've never been able to do. But more importantly, they need us just as much as we need them, which is such a different mindset because the information that I provide the information that all of their other 50,000 restaurants provide and feedback loop that they give to their leadership, they can actually build the products that we need that will help them go from 50,000 restaurants to 100,000 to half to whatever those goals are. You know, it's, it's being at a position where you can actually interact with technology companies and leadership in ways that we've never been able to before because of LinkedIn. You know, because of LinkedIn, you guys can tap into restaurant influencers, people that are creating content so that, that you can get your message out to more people to learn about your book. Yeah, it is totally crazy how different the world is. And um, <laughs> I, I, I take just like meeting you as an example of that, right? I, we, we are somewhat close together in Southern California, but yes. would we have ever run into each other? I don't know. But now with all of these... Um, what I'll call digital communities. We're in the same one together, right? Yeah. And that that's that's really the exciting part. Can can you guys tell me how did you come up with the title of the book? It's like, <laughs> it's like coming up with the title of a restaurant. Yeah, we we spend uh, a lot of time thinking about how do we encapsulate 
the entirety of this book in a, a few short words that's both catchy and I was a fan of alliteration Sean I wanted some kind of uh, combination of the word delivering with something else um, yes. you know the, the subtitle was probably one of the most challenging aspects as well though because you, we wanted to really be clear that this is explaining about the entirety of the ecosystem um, but it's not a how-to book you know it's not a book which you pick up and go okay if I follow step one two and three then suddenly I'll be a digital hospitality business that's not what it's about um, but it is a roadmap of sorts to helping people understand where the future of food is heading. And so the, the process just took a lot of um, conversations, trying it. We asked a bunch of friends, you know, what do you think of this title? Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, I, I think it came down to us just saying, if we can try and demonstrate the term delivery, if we can try and, you know, describe the term of digitization into it then we've probably got what we want and that's obviously where we ended up with the the four words delivering the digital restaurant yeah and i i would actually add to that the technology played a huge role in our coming up with the title because really we wrote this book during the pandemic so there was a big chunk of writing this book where carl and i couldn't be in the same place at the same time because nobody knew like how does covid work and will you get it and we would write over zoom together um, and we would write over uh, Google Doc together. And so in particular on the title, we would each um, be on Zoom, we would each be on the shared Google Doc and we'd say, okay, you write 10, I'll write 10. And we'd just write whatever came into our head. And then we would compare and we'd play with them and we'd mix them together and delete words and roll ones out and all of those kinds of things. And ultimately um, up boils the one that makes the most sense, right? So. Um, In a very strange way, uh, this whole shift happened not only to the restaurant industry, but happened to us as we were writing as well. And and even so today, right? Because in many ways, the marketing of our book is much the same as restaurants having to market. We're having to market the book digitally and we're learning much the same that a restaurant operator has to go through themselves, you know, trying to figure out digital marketing. You know, how do you market a book? I mean, we haven't had to do that before. And I think that is the exciting thing that actually we've, we've talked about this concept in, in yes. from, from a FUPA's point of view, but it's the same kind of idea really Correct. From, um, a book. And so it's Correct. great. We're, we're learning them with you. <laughs> I, I, well, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that because I think that's, you know, where so many pain points for people come. And, you know, when I talk to restaurant owners and small business owners, they always, we always want someone else to tell our story. We always want someone else to share our marketing. We want the perfect, you know, magazine piece that highlights what our business is, or we want the perfect news piece that, you know, shows what we're doing in the community. But ultimately, who's going to tell your story better than you? Who's going to talk about the book better than you? And we have the tools. We're literally building on the backs of giants to be able to share those stories and connect on all these different digital platforms, whether it's on Clubhouse, which is an incredible app that hopefully you guys are on and hopefully you'll be in rooms. We host a weekly call on Clubhouse at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Hopefully we'll join. We'll, we'll have you guys on. We have a lot of hospitality um, experts that come in, um, podcasters as well. But Clubhouse is an incredible app. TikTok is an incredible app. Short form video, LinkedIn, all of these different ways. Can you talk about you know claiming your own Instagram page and you know now actually having to put content out there and develop a show so that you can market your book? Yeah. Well, you know, I I guess I go back to the book as the starting point. Um, we have an incredible um, pair of interviews with uh, Amy Cavanaugh Mason and Tressie Lieberman, uh, both women that I worked with at Taco Bell. Uh, Amy had been at Edelman and is just a fantastic PR mind. 
and Tressie runs digital marketing uh, currently for Chipotle. And the two of them in the book talk a lot about how fragmented the consumer is today, how many different media platforms there are, right? So remember back in the old day, we had basically like three TV networks and that was yep. it. Yep. And maybe like a couple of radio channels. And now you have so many different platforms, so many different ways in which people consume media and their attention span is shorter. And so when you combine the proliferation of platforms with a short attention span, you have to be able to make content for all kinds of different platforms, right? But they're very different. So as Trusty says, Instagram is very um, picture heavy. Uh, something like Twitter is very word heavy. Something like TikTok is very musically driven. So you can't use the same content across all three platforms. And yet the content has to look like it's coming from the same person. Yep. Um, and you know how, how you would be as an individual, the songs you like and the, the pictures you like kind of go together because you're, you're you, right? And your brand yep. has to do that too. And so Amy talks a lot about understanding your brand's why um, and through that, being able to uh, maintain that consistency across platforms. So for us and the book, our why is really about helping restaurants navigate this digital change. Um, we are incredibly passionate about um, the, the magnitude of this change and wanting to see everyone successfully get through it and then thrive because they have figured out how to master it. And that for us is so core that when we talk in different places and use different platforms, that same message comes through, whether it's via picture or music or words or whatever it is. Yeah. We, we, we talk about that every week and we teach, you know, our listeners that it, it's, it's very easy to get into decision paralysis of how do you make content? And ultimately all we're doing is telling stories. It's audio, it's video, it's written word and it's images. Literally that's things, all, that's all that it is. One of the things I love about what you do, Sean, is that it's very authentic. And it's also, it's live in the moment, which I think is really important. And, you know, there are moments I was at the um, Indian Wells tennis at the weekend. And yes. I, um, I saw the amount of queues that existed and people lining up for like 40 minutes to get food. And then of course the food that you want isn't available anymore. And I'm thinking, my goodness, in this, in this kind of world, there's no order ahead technology. There's no kind of functionality to be able to help people get the food or some kind of uh, ability to do this. And I think that's, that's really important to capture when you're in those moments. And yes. so if someone, you know, in, if you've got a great customer with you and they're talking about your food in a way that really is amazing, try and get them and, and capture them and get them talking about your food, you know, find ways in the moment to celebrate who you are as a brand. Um, Meredith and I haven't come up with a hugely articulated, clear marketing plan. We've stumbled our way through it. We really have. You know, we, we, Welcome you know, to marketing. Yeah, exactly. We have, we've never had a greater We're all stumbling our way through it. We've never had a greater, greater appreciation for marketers than we have in the last few months. And I think that's the point of it, right? Just stumble through it, get through it, learn, and just accept that it's not always going to be right. And there are times where Meredith says, I've only got this amount of views. What do I do wrong? I go, don't worry about it. Move on to the next bit of content, you know? And so- yeah. That I think is important. And knowing that we're all in it together, I think makes it feel a little bit easier and more tolerable. Well, I, think, uh, I think we Go have ahead. discovered that uh, Carl in sunglasses generates views. <laughs> and we don't know why, like <laughs> we have not figured out the magic there, but uh, anytime we put Carl in sunglasses, people want to watch it. I love it. 
Can you, can you tell me about the tools that you guys have created with the book and with your digital content that um, are available um, not only through Instagram, but through LinkedIn and you guys are doing some really creative things. And I, I, number one, I want to applaud you. Um, you know, like I said, I've been fortunate to interview some significant authors and they're not willing to do the work that you guys are doing. Like, you know, posting on Instagram, we can take it for granted, but it, it's personal. And the more that you lean into the fact that, you know, your background and who you are and what you're trying to do and the work that you put into the book, the more that it's going to resonate with people all over the globe, you know, and everyone, you know, we, we look for restaurant influencers. We're launching our second podcast with entrepreneur magazine and Yelp. Um, it's going to be called restaurant influencers, but you know, a lot of who we're looking for is who's making an impact on YouTube, who's making an impact on TikTok, and what can a, a restaurant learn from them. But ultimately, if you own a restaurant, you have influence. Like ultimately, if you're a mom of a family, you have influence. Ultimately, if you work and uh, you're running your little league, you have influence. So we all have influence in different ways. And it's having the courage to post the content, to talk about what you care about, to talk about your book. And I, I definitely want to applaud you for, for doing that. Please, please tell us a little bit about the resources that any of our listeners can, can tune into, you know, especially at learn.delivery um, on Instagram. Definitely follow them. Yeah, the, um, thank you for that, Sean. The, the, the Learn.Delivery platform is just a recognition that the book is a starting point. And we wanted a place for our readers to go to and anyone else that's interested, quite honestly, to go to to be able to get access to further content. Um, we have left 90% of our interview content on the cutting room floor. So there's amazing amounts of content that we'll be um, revealing over time. On, on I love that it. Um, we've also got this thing which we call the Monday. Wait, we, I'm sorry, before you keep going, I, that is such an important thing that you just tapped into that I don't think authors, if anyone's planning on writing a book, like capturing content and because you never know where you can use it is something that's so important. I wrote my, I, wrote, I helped my grandfather self-publish his own uh, memoir back in 2004. And we didn't have any of this technology. The first iPhone came out in 2007. But, you know, from a Bulgarian boy that was born in a village, born to be a farmer and spending three years, you know, in a dictating machine where he would dictate something and then I would type it out on a Word document. But now you guys are doing these interviews. You're capturing that content. What those people say, if it didn't make it into the book, now you can still use that powerful message on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on TikTok. So I'm so happy that you said that. Yeah, it's and there's some amazing stuff. Uh, there yeah. really is. It, it could have been a Mer Meredith has a very sharp knife, so she cut down a lot of my words in the, the long chapters. So. We all need, I, we need sharp knives around us. <laughs> That's if I had sure. let Carl have his way, it probably would have been a 500 page book, but yeah. I, I, uh, I did not. So there, there definitely is a lot of wonderful, insightful things that people said that don't make it into the book um, for, for the purposes of just making it an, an easy read, but sure. it doesn't make it not important. Uh, so that will definitely show up over time. Great. And then we have um, the Monday Minute, which is our, our weekly, it's five, 10 minutes worth of content where we just reflect on the last week's top headlines and our kind of take on it. It's a uh, very accessible. It's just Meredith and I talking to each other. It's um, now available in a podcast form as well. I just launched yes. that the last that's week. Fantastic! Congratulations. Spotify. So, so that's going to be another resource for folks, and really to try and generate a community on this Learn Delivery platform. You know, just to be able to bring restaurateurs together, recognizing that actually we're better off working this through together, and working together with folks like yourself. You know, and just being able to help the industry. Ultimately, you don't go into writing a book with the intent of it being a huge profit driver. You know, Meredith and I saw the challenges 
of what was happening to the restaurant industry. We saw even those that believed in ghost kitchens really struggled to understand how to make it and succeed. And then we've seen and spoken to through this, this book project, some amazing success stories. And it, we feel it's our kind of duty to the industry to share. And that's mm-hmm. what we're doing. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Learn.Delivery, of course, is the, the platform that hosts a lot of this content and has access to our network of consultants and things like that. But as you said, Learn.Delivery also has an Instagram feed. And one of the things that we put out is just little nuggets of, of wisdom, little tips that restaurants can incorporate as they go. Um, so definitely a lot of uh, reason to follow on primarily Instagram is where most of it goes out um, a little bit on, on Twitter and on LinkedIn, but um, trying to share, just as Carl said, all the things that we've learned um, in a bite-sized way. I love that. Um, as we close out the podcast, uh, obviously you guys that are listening, you know how to get a hold of me. It's at Sean P. Walchef on all the social platforms. Um, it's at Cali BBQ Media. Uh, we are grateful that you guys took the time. I know it's a very important time. Big launch is coming up. Is when when is the official day? It's today. It's, today, it's- look at that <laughs> historic. Yeah, Cali Barbecue Media. We like to do things historically. We That's were right. We were fortunate that uh, our relationship with Toast. They invited us to their IPO, and we were able to go there and be there with um, you know all of their executives, some of their incredible customers, and. Um, I mean, that's what storytelling can do. And that's what we hope people take from not only this podcast, but from this book. I mean, this book is such a, it's such a gift. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to, like I said, scream it from the mountaintops. Um, if, if I believe in what you're doing, then chances are I'm going to be ABB, which is always be branding. I'll be telling everyone and anyone um, how important it is for people to read, not only read the book, but actually consume it, mark it up, do everything that you need to do to actually make an impact. Yours um, looks like mine. Yeah, that's exactly, that, that, that's how we do, that's how we do modern day textbooks. That's um, right. But yeah, no, we're, we're, we're completely grateful. Do you have any words of encouragement for anyone listening to this podcast? Um, takeaways from the book that we can, we can end with? Yeah, for me, I think this is the most exciting time to be a restaurant. I know the last year and a half has been incredibly difficult uh, for so many reasons, and in particular for the independents. Um, but I think now is the time when a world of innovation opens up. And if you can figure out how to take advantage of all the pent up demand to come back into your restaurant, because people want to be together, they want to dine in, they want to be at restaurants and have great hospitality experiences. If you can figure out how to do that and also capture the digital demand that's out there, I think it's going to be an awesome time to be a restaurant. That's phenomenal. Carl? Yeah, I would agree. I think the the time right now has never been better to be in this industry. It might feel like an incredibly crazy time to be in this industry because of labor challenges, all the challenges that we've spoken about. But for those that have got the right mindset, the ones that see the opportunity that sits in front of them. The the restaurant capacity has never been larger. The amount of customers that are outside your restaurant are now available to you to go and get get and use virtual brands, use ghost kitchens, use the tools that are available through the tech stacks that are out there to be able to really go and harness what is a real gift to the industry. And hopefully our book is uh, going to help people understand that path. Meredith Sandland, Carl Orsborn, delivering the digital restaurant. Please 
go to learn.delivery to order your copy, um, follow them on social media, interact with them, tell a friend about the book, tell a restaurant owner about the book. It is so important. Um, what we say every week is stay curious, get involved, and uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. We appreciate you all for listening, and we will catch you next week.